Welcome back. It's time once again for Maya, my yoga audio, where your mind and your body can find a home on the mat, wherever that may be. And I'm your host, Megan Morgan. And I'm so excited to welcome another guest, an interview to the Maya podcast today. But first, before I introduce them and get into the questions, I wanted to tell you about an exciting development that many of you may already know from following on the my.yoga.audio Instagram page is that I've been invited to be a wisdom app mentor, which is an online chat platform similar to Clubhouse, but a little bit safer and designed for people who want to help others in the world. There's a few more restrictions there. At the moment, it's only invite only to be a mentor on the app, but anyone can go online and listen to any of the talks. So those links are in my bio on Instagram, and I'll be sure to add them to the website as well. Our most recent episode, episode 44, is called Morning Meditation, and I actually recorded it on the Join Wisdom app, and then was able to download it and import it, add some music and fancy it up a little bit for Maya listeners. But if you'd prefer to give it a listen, just raw and live audio like I did on the app, you can go over to the Join Wisdom app and it's under Megan Morgan, M-E-G-A-N-M-O-R-G-A-N. And for the record, that's the first time I've ever been able to register anywhere with my own name. There are a lot of Megan Morgans out there, apparently. But anyway, let's get back to why we are here today for episode 45. And I'm so pleased to let you know that Holly Holt is with us on the show today. And we met a few years ago through our mutual friend, Tammy Hackbarth at Creative Mornings. And at least that's what my memory tells me. We've been keeping in touch somewhat in person and online since then. So Holly Holt as a writer and a storyteller with a deep devotion to practices that heal the body and wake up the mind. For most of the early 2000s, she was performing as a singer-songwriter and recorded a well-received CD of original music. Currently, she's working on a novel, teaches yoga, blogs, and leads a word-gathering writing circle in Sacramento. She refers to herself as a story tender who provides support and community for sublimely sensitive women writers to dive into longing, sweet melancholy, and the source of their own voices. I love this. Holly, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited actually to do this with you, to actually have a conversation. <laughs> yeah, it feels good. We've been so remote, literally, right? The last couple of yeah. years. So I think the last time we saw one another in person was the before times, before 2020. Yeah. And uh, it feels good to, to see you once again. <laughs> yeah, it does. My first introduction to you is, was one-sided. So was actually hearing you on Tammy Hackbar's podcast. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. And I said, who is that? Tell me about her, Tammy. <laughs> and then we met in person. I said, okay, she's on my list of people I want to know. Oh, so. I love that. Yeah, that was a few. I think that was actually episode 13. Death Brings Clarity with Tammy Hagbarth, the Tammy mm -hmm. Hagbarth, 100% uh, guilt-free self-care podcast. She's, yeah. yeah, I love that podcast. Actually, I listen to it. I'm so behind because she has so many great guests. So I yeah. love listening to what they get up to. And 
Actually, that's another thing I wanted to ask you about today and whether now is the right time or not or later, I'll leave it up to you. You did a series with her on the 100% Guilt-Free Self-Care podcast on the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. And I was obsessed because this was totally new to me. I had never heard of this before. And oh, that's a... (laughs) That was a whole new revel. I was like, I'm an Aquarius. And, you know, that was about the extent of like personality stuff that I'd been exposed to. So I learned a lot from that. That's interesting. Yeah, I'd be happy to talk about it now uh, because it really, it feels like my lifelong search to figure out who in the heck I am because I always felt a little bit out of place in the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this kind of quiet, sensitive person in this very loud world. And so my, I came to the Enneagram late. I feel like I came to it late because I had gone through all these other personality systems trying to Mm -hmm. figure it out. And so I started with the four temperaments. I don't know if you've heard of the four temperaments. It's like ancient, you know, medieval or something, long time ago. And it was based on the four, um, like fluids in the body. So blood, bile, two kinds of bile and yeah the four humors that's how I humors yeah the four Mm -hmm. humors yeah okay and so I immediately connected to the melancholic and then felt ashamed (laughs) because who wants to be the Debbie Downer who wants to be the Eeyore you know and and so then I kind of kept exploring and exploring that's really what I've been doing for I don't know 20 years longer um and then I found Myers-Briggs and really was into that, you know, just did the deep dive into that and went, yes, this is, this is the answer, INFP. Um, <laughs> and then found the Enneagram. So, because I'm just always, I just can eat that stuff up. I, I, you know, some people roll their eyes. And oh, I, when I was growing up, it did start with astrology. So there's a whole story about my growing up. And we can talk about that too. But uh Sagittarius, which I never quite related to in a certain way. I'm relating it. I'm becoming more and more Sagittarius as I get older because I, I've learned about astrology since then. And um, like your rising sign is this mask that we put on or it's the, the way we survive. And some of Pisces moon, I think, are rising. And that made sense. You know, this very sensitive kind of emotional, you know, deeply feeling person but the Sagittarius, the fire was always there. And so the Enneagram kind of explained that even more as an Enneagram four, you know, this kind of, they call us temperamental. And I thought, I'm not temperamental. And I asked my best friend, I said, I said, am I temperamental? And she just paused. <laughs> so yeah, what would you like to talk about the Enneagram? I mean, I just, I, I was so excited when Tammy asked me to do that podcast because I was so completely, you know, I think I'm a serial monogamist with my passions. You know, I went all the way in. and <laughs> I can relate. I can totally relate. I get into something and then I'm like all about that for like days, weeks, months, even years. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, that's there. And I've learned or absorbed as much as I need to from this right now. And then I kind yeah. of move into the next thing. And with the Enneagram, what was hard, so I'm a two wing three. Mm-hmm. And it's the, like the negative parts about it. It's like every every horoscope, yeah. right, has its downside too. But when you look at the negatives, you don't like to see 
that side of yourself and it feels harsher with the Enneagram for some reason to me than the other personality type stuff. They always seem to like the positives seem to outweigh the negatives. But ultimately, it taught me so much about, okay, well, if that's what it is, and I can recognize that in myself, or when I'm leaning that way towards the negative tendencies, now I know that. And so when it comes up, I can work towards not leaning into that and and stop, um, I guess, judging myself for the way I react in certain situations. And then the irony of all of that was without telling everybody the whole story and figuring out what my partner's Enneagram was and what mine was. When I'm at my worst, it's also their worst. And when they're at their best, it's when I'm at my best. (laughs) And I just thought, like, we're so opposite in so many ways, even like horoscope wise and personality type, the whole thing. And then to find out Enneagram wise, it was the same thing. So I brought it up. It fueled a really important conversation to say, hey, when I started doing this, he's like, I've known that for years, (laughs) you know, but not realizing that that's also a part of his temperament too. So it was just, it's created a really great conversation about how we relate to one another based on that. It was really helpful. That's what I found with the Enneagram was, yeah, I think, you know, even my husband, he, you know, he says it's, it just focuses all on the negative and, and that is my, it sounds funny. That's kind of my favorite place is this dark, the dark places that no one wants to go to. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, give me more of that. Yes. Because <laughs> I want to find out what it is. And for me, it was the quote unquote negative part of the four or the, or the unhealthy side, as they say, or the um, where you go into disintegration, I think, which I think is an interesting word was um, they, they always said envy and I didn't understand what that meant. But then someone said, m- more recently I heard, I said, really with the four, it's more longing. And I said, oh yeah, okay, that's what it is. Longing, this longing. But, but to be able to have that conversation with another person who's really close to you, who maybe, <laughs> let's just be real, if you've been married <laughs> for any period of time, there's going to be misunderstandings. Like, why are you like that? Why mm-hmm. do you like that? And to be able to have a language to talk, to speak about it together and to find those common, like you said, those commonalities. We didn't have that same place that we went, but the um, we're both in the withdrawn stance, which is a whole complicated part of Enneagram, but, <laughs> but just knowing, oh, we both need time to ourselves. We need to withdraw, but we also need to come together. So um, I found the Enneagram to be so helpful. And also, I, I have an easier time typing people with Myers-Briggs because I feel like you can because it's based on what is you see outwardly. Mm-hmm. And with Enneagram, really, you're not supposed to type people. And I love that because it really has to do with what's going on inside. Yeah. I did a a test, like I found some online test thing, but when I was listening to the interviews you did with Tammy about it, it was more um, just reading through the types and seeing what resonates best mm-hmm. for you based on the, and what was the website again, where people can go. So anyone listening, if you don't know what an Enneagram is, Google will help you, but there's also um, it's E N N E A G R A M. And then what was the, do you remember offhand the website? Well, the one I like, were... yeah, the one I like that feels like it has some really in-depth descriptions is the Enneagram Institute. That's, That's right. right. Yeah, that Russ Hudson um, did with 
I, the other guy who wrote the book with him. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and they wrote the book, um, The Wisdom of the Enneagram, which, okay. you know, a lot of people call the Bible of the Enneagram, but really it's because it's just laid out so clearly. And since then, of course, there've been all kinds of books and there are disagreements, just like in any community, mm-hmm. there are disagreements in the Enneagram community. And I'm not an official Enneagram coach or an Enneagram uh, teacher, but I use it in my coaching work and my work with work people. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us more about that because I know you do coaching work. I know you're, you're also a yoga teacher um, and you do many interesting things in Sacramento. I think I've joined at least one of your online meetings since in the last two years, but you tell us more about kind of what your life looks like right now and what you do day to day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what do I do day to day? That is such an interesting question <laughs> um, because it's such a free flow and I feel so grateful for that. I have spent many years not in free flow and not um, kind of denying what I needed as far as my work. And so I feel grateful that I can do that at least for now. So I work primarily with women and who generally come to me, the women who come to me are midlife and beyond, sometimes a little bit earlier than that. And I have, you know, and they're usually kind of similar to me. They really want to, they want to ask the hard questions and they want to be able to be authentic in their writing or if they're in the yoga group, the yoga class, they just want to be who they are. So I lead writing groups and I just did a program that I feel like is going to be kind of the next iteration of what I do. And um, it was called Liberate Your Notebooks. And if you actually listen to an interview with me on Tammy's podcast, the very first one I did was called Liberate Your Notebooks. So it was going to be the name of my whole thing. And then I took a circuitous route um, back to that name, because really that's what I've noticed. There's so many writers and you might relate (laughs) because I know you're a writer, Megan. We have so many notebooks full of stuff. Maybe we write blogs, maybe we write social media posts and we have all this writing. And why is it that we aren't putting it out in a different format, like a book you have? Yay. I love that. But there are a lot of women who there's all the stories they tell themselves about why that can't be, or I'm just, I'm too disorganized and I get overwhelmed and I get, you know, and so I work with, so that, that is a program that I am going to be launching again in the fall to work with women, at least I think the fall, who really have something that they want to put out there, whether it be a book for their family, it doesn't have to be, I want to be the best, greatest, best-selling author in, in America. It doesn't have to be that. It could be that. Or maybe I just want to submit my work to some literary journals and see what happens or start a blog, but like providing some resources for them to do that. And a lot of it is kind of an embodied practice too. I mean, I always bring the body. That's the yoga teacher part in me. So yoga is always everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd say yoga is a full body or excuse me, writing is a full body experience. I'm curious if you still write longhand. Yes. I oh, do. I love that. I was thinking about that the other night when I was 
you know, mentally preparing for this interview, what we had talked about. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, when I was a kid, everything was by hand. I would stay inside at recess to write stuff out, pages, pages, pages. And I listened to an interview with, I think it was Mary Oliver on being, she was talking about that. She said, I encourage people as much as possible to write um, by hand and avoid, Mm -hmm. she was kind of like avoid the computer at all costs. And there was a story writing workshop I took through Creative Mornings, it was an online one, and they said the only rule was that you couldn't use your computer. You had to use your computer to be on the webinar, but right. what we, the writing prompts, they said, pick up a pen, a pencil, whatever, and write by hand, because it is it is this whole experience we're kind of forgetting about. Oh, I love that. I yeah, love that. and I really, I do encourage it, and with the people who come and write with me, there are some you know, they might have uh, arthritis in their hands. There might be actual physical issues. And so I've learned through experience that that isn't always the case and it's okay. But if at all possible, write by hand. And yes, it's a pain because then you have to take the stuff you wrote by hand and type it up. And it's a whole other thing. But that is a whole other part of your brain too. Mm -hmm. This editor. Like, I want it to be as free-flowing as possible, as childlike as possible, right? Like tapping Mm -hmm. into, I I always figure the two ends of the spectrum, we're we're tapping into this child, this kind of magical child, this this free, whimsical place, and then also the wisdom of the elder in us. Because even though we're not there yet, we have it already. I feel like it. Every woman I've ever met has the wisdom of the crone already in her. She just mm-hmm. has to access it. And so the wisdom of the child, the wisdom of the crone, and how do you bring those together? And maybe that's why women at the about the same age as I am kind of are gravitating to me because they're kind of feeling that more. Because when you're so busy, when you're 25, when you're 30, you're like, I'm going. Oh. You know? <laughs> you know? I'm going to change the world. I'm going to, you know, get my career and my face and my that. And yeah, it's, it's a different energy. But I've been finding I'm, you know, getting to meet some younger women and thinking, well, maybe there's some, maybe there's some going to be some crossover. I'm starting to, to feel like that younger energy is starting to come to me, which is kind of exciting too. Mm-hmm. My friend group over and mentor group, to be honest, like I'm a pretty firm Gen Xer, I think on the younger side of Gen X. So like sometimes when I look at stuff, it's like elder millennial or what, I don't know what it is, but I've I've always thought I was part of Gen X, but I've always had friends who are at least 10 years younger than I am, at least 10 years older than Mm -hmm. I am. Like it's been a really wide spectrum and I, I find so much wisdom in, you know, the generation so-called coming up behind us like the 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 freedom that they have to say and express things that I feel like a lot of Gen X and certainly boomers and older generations didn't at all right particularly women and I love that like my jaw drops at the was I feel like they're that was really powerful when you said when the child meets the crone I almost feel like that could be the title of a workshop like how to meet your inner wise woman or something like that or maybe that's what you're already doing and that's just not what it's called yet but is that I know I'm like I, I well I some like I always say sometimes I just say things and I go huh that's an idea yeah that would right. be great I would love that because I think you're right I feel like we we do have access to all those things we just don't always realize it because 
25 to 35 just feels like I'm going to live forever and I don't Mm -hmm. have to worry about the sun or my diet or (laughs) stuff like that. And now I'm like, "Mm, yeah, there's some things I would have, I would have changed about the way I behaved back then, knowing how it's going to impact me now, even just physically, you know, you and I had an offline conversation about injury and how long it takes to recover from injury and I'm just like I feel like if this had happened 10 years ago I wouldn't be going through this because as you get older your body takes longer to recover from something and to be patient with that is is so frustrating to me it's so hard to accept that waiting period yeah you learn (laughs) there's a humbling (laughs) I I, I'm I I sometimes wonder like maybe life is just a continual series of humblings you know in different ways and whether it be our like I don't know enough yet as a young person maybe I don't know that yet and so I'm being humbled I have to learn it right and as we get older our bodies don't do the things that they used to do and we have to be kind to the body I mean I think that's when I started to learn about self-care is when my body said I'm out (laughs) bingo Bingo. Me too. Yeah. Me too. These past few months have been exactly that. And I'm just like, okay, I'm listening. I'm trying to be patient. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so tough. Yeah. Um, injury. I mean, I think injury and illness have been a big part of my story. Now that you bring that up, it's mm. so interesting. I'm like, huh. I mean, I, as a child, I was kind of like, I was thought of myself as a little bit delicate and sickly. Like mm-hmm. I got sick a lot. And I, you know, had headaches and stomach aches and, you know, every holiday I was so excited for Christmas. And then every Christmas I would be sick in bed, you know, and then as I got older, those, those injuries, those kind of repetitive injuries or just injuries that happened to us in, in yoga class for me, I had a hip thing. And so I've done a lot of work with the pelvic bowl. I mean, that and that part of, you know, being a creative person, I just I feel like there's such a connection between this, the sacred center and the sacrum and the the creative sensual self that is often kind of pushed down in not just our culture in all cultures, you know, for women. It's like you got to behave, you got to do, got to be this way. And like you said, younger women are having a different experience, but even then. I've been reading that it's not necessarily as different as we think. So that's interesting. But um, but yeah, the injuries, I feel like, and another personality thing I learned about was highly sensitive person, which is also, I, I hate to put labels on myself, but it makes me feel better to know that I am, like that is explanation. And, and I was always kind of going to doctors saying, I don't, tell me what's wrong. And they were like, well, you're just, you know, that's fine. And there was never this body mind connection. And I feel like with the yoga helped me start the inquiry. To start this inquiry of maybe there is a connection between how I feel emotionally and what's going on in my body. Maybe there's a connection between these, maybe some slightly negative thought patterns that I have. And um what's going on in my body or what's going on in you know my emotional life so like this unity the three body mind spirit like i really um i felt like there's such a a way i started to connect with that um 
but but I've learned recently about the highly sensitive person, which I think is so, I mean, I, I want to speak to people who are, you know, wondering, why do I have headaches all the time? Why do I have, and some, yeah, it can be trauma, but it can also be, if you are highly sensitive, trauma can be really small. It doesn't have to be the biggest thing. And so we have what, you know, now they're starting to refer to it as mystery illnesses. And I went, oh, oh, you know, here I am finally. And it's so, I, I love it that there are young people who get to learn about this way earlier than I did. Um, but like, I have mystery illnesses. And, and then it's, it's not really a mystery at all. If you're actually become aware of your body. Okay. This is what this is teaching me. This is what this hip pain is teaching me. This is what I need, why I need, I need to stay here for, for me, it was years with the hip until I worked through it. That is a lot. The body does. That's the main thing I learned from yoga too, just in practicing it before I became a teacher was just how much we hold in the body and then doing yeah. yoga made me aware of it. And in some cases was able to move through it. Like it was a form of therapy for many years. Yeah. And so then when the place I was going was like, you're going to be a teacher, right? I was like, oh, absolutely not. Like this is the biggest form of healing I've ever experienced in my life, but I'm not going to be qualified yeah. to teach it. And ultimately I changed my mind because I was like, if I can even once offer somebody a window into this opportunity to find this for themselves, then it's it's worth it to to teach and and the way I teach and when I teach now is very different from what I was doing and I think that's probably a similar case for you too and I'm curious because mm -hmm. we mentioned it in the intro and I want everybody to stay tuned after we finish this interview because we're going to play um, one of Holly's songs that uh, she sent me from her album that she released a few years ago and there's kind of two things I wanted to ask you about kind of because to me it's people who sing um I don't know that I can I mean I've never been a professional but I was in the choir in school I love to sing and I feel like the vibration that happens in the body is so freeing even if you sound terrible and can't hit the note there's something about that vibration in the throat and the chest and if you can get it down to the belly so there's two things I wanted to ask you about kind of your journey through being a singer songwriter and, and what that experience kind of embodied for you. And then there's this recent post and I feel like it's connected. Maybe I'm wrong. You did this post of um, a message to your 30 year old self uh, mm -hmm. that you posted on Instagram. And it just like, Oh, like it just grabbed my heart and kind of, I don't know, it really, really resonated with me. And I feel like even beyond the topic that you were talking about, there's a lot of people who would feel that message very strongly from you and what what is your instagram actually for is it story tender or is it holly holt writes your it's it's instagram? still holly holt writes holly holt <laughs> yeah writes. okay yeah at holly holt writes yeah at holly holt writes if you guys want to go and um listeners and see some of those posts she's been releasing some gems but i wanted to ask her to talk about that because it was so powerful yeah um let's see which one should i tackle first uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just these little things. <laughs> okay, well, I will start with this. When I'm gonna, I'm gonna step it back a bit. Uh, I, I had uh, my son. I was twenty, just yeah, twenty eight, just just shy of twenty eight. And 
I think it was maybe a year or so after that, my mother's best friend died. And uh, that really impacted me because she was like an aunt. I mean, she was really close. We were really close. And she was just one of these people that kind of one of a kind. She walked into a room. You knew she was in the room. Uh, she was just, she was so there and she would, you know, she, I would say she lit up a room, but she literally lit up a room because her clothes had, uh, like sometimes they would light up, like they would, they would flash, not just glitter, not just sequins, but like flashing lights on her clothes. So this is the kind of person we're talking about. And she was an artist. My mo my mother was and is an artist. She, she likes, she called herself a crafter. I'm like, yeah, you're an artist anyway. My grandmother, artist, poet, singer. My mother's best friend was an artist. She restored carousel horses. Um, that was one of the things she did among others. And when she died at the, at the um, service, they had a little display of things that she had done. And one of the things was pages from the Sears catalog. <laughs> there were the, the, when catalogs were drawn, they were illustrated, there wasn't pictures. And my mother met her when they both worked at Sears. My mom worked in the hardware department or something. And she's like, oh yeah, I worked with, with Liz. I thought she worked also, you know, dragging big hoses around and, and talking to guys in overalls. No, she was an illustrator and I thought, wait a minute, she was an artist her whole entire life. And I have, I went to college. I was always a singer in the choir too. I always wanted to be a singer songwriter. Like I just, that was something I saw in other people and, and was the big, the biggest fan, you know, um, of, of people. And, um, but I had kind of pushed that part of myself aside. And I, I looked at my, my son because he's in my arms and I saw this and I thought, I can't, you can't have a mother who is going to betray herself like that, who isn't going to at least try to follow this passion. And it was like a really pivotal moment and um, I, I didn't know what I was doing. And so I, I, I decided, you know, once he was kind of old enough, I took a couple classes at the community college and um, my wonderful writing mentor, Jan Haig, I had her in a creative nonfiction course she taught, which was beautiful. And she said, come back and be in the literary journal next semester. And I said, cool, I'll do that, you know, fun. Well, I looked at the cat, the catalog and I signed up for the literary journal, but I saw at the exact same time on the exact same day during the week was a songwriting class. So I'm walking in the parking lot <laughs> and to the left is the literary journal and to the right is the songwriting class. And even though I wasn't in it, I walked, took the right turn. I went to the songwriting class. Oh, wow. And I'm at this point, 29 or almost 30. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's quote unquote, too late for me to have a music career. That's what I thought. 
And so I went to the songwriting class and I was writing lyrics because I didn't know how to play an instrument. And then it was offered the next semester and I took it again. And I said, I've got to learn to play an instrument. And so I picked up the guitar and I was 30 years old. I learned the guitar and I played the guitar every single day for one year. That was a promise I made to myself. You will play the guitar for an hour every single day for a year. And I did it. I did. I did not miss a day, not Christmas, nothing. And I didn't miss it. And by doing that, it didn't take a year. It took me six months to do my first open mic at the Fox and Goose, if anyone knows Sacramento. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Fox and Goose open mic and I sang one song because that's all I had and uh -huh. I was terrified and I sang it and the, and usually there's people playing darts and there's you know the birds going there's all this noise, and it was silent because they were listening Ooh. and I don't know if I've ever felt listened to in that way and so of course I kept going back <laughs> Because I'm like, I want to be heard. There's something about being behind a microphone that I like. And maybe this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I did it for almost 10 years. Um, I met all kinds of people. Um, I got some really cool people to play on my CD, you know, local musicians. Um, mm -hmm. And I, it was just, it was so fantastic. And the other thing, I mean, let's, that I want to just point out and be really honest about is I was at a point where we had moved from San Francisco, from the Bay Area to Sacramento, where I knew no one. I had a young child. Um, we were living in the suburbs, which was not my, I did not want to be living there. Um, <laughs> I was, it was my, I had these dreams, right? You know, these music dreams, I'm going to be fabulous. And here I was like this mom with my mom jeans and suburbs, <laughs> like tired all the time. And so that it was, and I was working through some things. And so if I look at my songs, I, I think of them as a real form of expressive writing. I wrote down what I needed to say. And instead of just writing it down and putting it in the notebook and closing it, I went and actually sang it in front of people. You know, this is what's happening. I mean, they didn't, you know, it was, this mm -hmm. is my emotional life exposed. And so my songwriting has never been about like, write the hit song. You know, it was about me needing to express something. And so I stopped. I, I did all this stuff. I got to a certain point, I had a CD release party because people always had these CD release parties locally where there's like 10 people. <laughs> and it was, and they would go on, they'd be the quote unquote headliner at 11 o'clock at night and they'd have 10 people there. And I'm no, I'm going to have a CD release party at 6 p.m. Before all the, you know, regular, I'm going to invite people. I'm going to fill this place. So I filled Maryland's. I think I had about 200 people. Wow, nice. And I put on a show. I was so exhausted. Talk about mystery symptoms. They weren't really mystery. Yeah. I, was, I couldn't <laughs> you move. your heart out. Yeah. I couldn't move for three weeks after that. I mean, I was exhausted. And then I played a show at a small cafe after that. And, you know, it was like the three people again or whatever. And I 
it was hard. That transition was hard. And I'm like, I'm like, if I'm going to have to work that hard every single time I have a show, like I did for the CD release party, I don't know if my body could take it. And there were all kinds of multi-layered reasons for not continuing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did have a young child <laughs> and my husband, I will say he gave me probably people say, what was the best advice you ever got? And I said, well, it's more of a question. What was the best question that anyone ever asked me? And that question that he asked me when I was first starting, when I said, I want to write songs, I want to sing songs, but you know, here's all the reasons why I can't and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, why not? Why not? And no one had ever asked me why not before. It was always, well, why would you want to do it that way? Explain yourself. And his was just this big, open, wide field. Why not? And so I said, really? Okay, you'll watch our son while I go out at night and play music. Yes. <laughs> That's wild. Nobody's son, you know, most husbands do not do that. Yeah. <laughs> so That's I was, pretty you know, incredible. I'm, I'm pretty grateful for that. And he's always been that way. He's always like, well, you are who you are and you just be who you are. Okay. Are you sure? Yeah. Um, So the 30-year-old self-question, right? What happened was I had a binder full of all my lyrics. And I had them on the computer too, but I had this binder. At least I thought I had them all on my computer. And... It was a very dramatic breakup with music, I will say. <laughs> I decided it was just like, I'm going back to real life kind of thing. And I was in such grief about it, but I didn't realize it, you know. And I did this weird thing. I, I cut my hair really short and I dyed it dark brown. If you can imagine that. I'd also... Uh, and then I stopped wearing makeup, which is fine. You know, uh, I have gone many years without make, wearing makeup. So it's like, that's not a problem. But it was like, during that time, it was this purposeful thing. And I and I would kind of wear sack dresses. I just wanted to be invisible. Yeah. I wanted to be I hear invisible. That. Because mm-hmm. I had spent, you know, almost 10 years being very visible. Mm-hmm. And being, you know, all prettied up to sing. Um like hibernation time yeah really it was was hibernation but also I think now I look back I'm like oh I was in a lot of grief because that was a huge transition this big dream I had I just stopped and I took that binder and I just threw away the lyrics most of them were on my computer but that son that I was talking about he's now 26 um a few years ago I said I want he's an illustrator he is a he is an artist. He is he is continuing the family legacy of being an artist. Mm-hmm. And I said I want to. I wrote a song when he was little called the Lemur Song because he loved lemurs. And so it was like a little kid song. And I said I think that story could make be a children's book. But I've lost part of it, and have not been able to find the pivotal verse that needs to be in there. And I haven't been able to recreate it in my mind. But because I just didn't believe that that, like I stopped playing guitar. I haven't played guitar for years. My calluses Mm -hmm. are gone. 
like it was it, there was so I, I had this belief that I was because I was out playing music that I was a selfish person that I was following a dream that I was selfish and that I wasn't a good wife wasn't a good mother wasn't a good person I mean I had this oh. whole story mm-hmm. and I think and also I was you know I had gone and pitched my songs and had some really brutal <laughs> feedback <laughs> which I'm a sensitive person it was really hard and so I think but to tell my 30 year old self, your life, you don't even know how amazing it's going to be. And you're going to want those lyrics. And you can please keep playing just for yourself. You are allowed. You are allowed to be a creative person. You are allowed to make music. You are allowed to write. You are allowed to make art. And it was fun, funny coming from a family of artists, my aunts, my like, they're all, that's what they did. But I couldn't give myself permission unless I did it big. Um, and so I did. I went to hibernation for a long time. And I also would say to my 30 year old self, tell the truth, tell the truth, tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Like I suppressed and repressed so much of my truth for so many years. And so what is happening now with your music? Because I feel like there's been this emergence, like something that I didn't know about you and then saw these like right. little teasers on Instagram. And I'm like, wait a minute. And I'm like, where can we access this? Can I, right. you know, so tell us about that. You'll get people will get yeah. to hear one song at the end of this, but um, yeah. where can they hear more or support you more? Well, the exciting thing is, I think, and gosh, I mean, I will tell you, I released that CD in 2004. It is 2022. 18. <laughs> that's a lifetime. That's, yeah. that's a fully grown adult. That's a, like a person. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. So I think I had to go through the thing like, oh, if I write songs again, they need to be they need to be more positive or something. I don't know what it was, mm-hmm. which I just think now I go, okay. I grew up in some country music too. Like the, and so I'm like, love myself a sad song, you know, mm. jerker. And so I love to write sad songs. What was the question? <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Oh, what's going like, now? A CD yeah. release, I think, right? I finally, so I said, well, I know I released it. I have got in my garage, boxes, boxes of CDs, of physical CDs. And what happened is I quit right at the time when CDs were kind of going obsolete. So it wasn't entirely my fault, but I could have had a couple of years of getting rid of them if I would have kept going. That I regret that actually. Just like, could you have just sold some of the CDs? <laughs> if nothing else. So, you know, and, and now they're, you know, what are they gonna be landfill? I want, and I worked really hard. I worked really hard. It took me a year and a half to record that thing. I, I worked, I had so many people uh, help me with it. And I, I, I don't know what it was, but I thought it just kind of dawned on me after I've been doing all this creative work with other women, right? Saying, get your work out, get your work out. Like, you have been, you ha- are not, you are, you're being a hypocrite. You better get your work out there. If, you, you, if you're going to tell them to be brave, you have to be brave too. And so I, I had to figure out the technology, which, you know, 
just not my favorite. I'm like, how do I get, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to get dis digital distribution. Come to find out it's super easy. So Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, it's everywhere. Yay. Yes. No Horses is the album cover okay. or the name and Holly Holt, No Horses. Um, it's not that I don't like horses. It's just other vehicles are mentioned in this in the uh, mm -hmm. the CD. We have a Greyhound bus. We have a train. We have cars. We, <laughs> mm -hmm. but we have no horses. No. Um, yeah. So I would love it if people wanted to hear the music. And 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 the thing I realize is that I the past, they always like, oh, that's just the past. And that's not you anymore. It is absolutely me. Mm -hmm. I've done, a, it mm -hmm. is, it is this deep part of me. And I have done so much healing work. Yoga was part of it. A lot of the other, the, the writing is healing is part of it. I've done a lot of healing work. But that 30 year old is me. Just like the three year old is me. Just like the one that isn't even here yet is me. Right. <laughs> but she's smiling. She's so happy that you just made another loop around this, uh, this version of you that is, you're right. Yeah. It is still part of you. And I think it's, it's like, I don't like the phrase, something old is new again, but it's kind of like, what, what does that look like now? What does that feel like now? And what does that mm. bring out in you now in terms of your writing or, the offerings you're making, yeah. you know, for classes for other work. So what have you got? Have you, do you have, you know, upcoming writing circles or workshops or anything you're doing where um, people who are listening might be able to join in, whether it's virtual or in person? Yeah. Um, I am doing one thing and I'm just, again, it's a technology thing. I'm trying to figure mm -hmm. it out. Just got to have mm -hmm. a thing. It's just like a place for people to sign up. <laughs> but that that will by the time this podcast is released, that will be figured out. Um, so, our mutual friend again with her great ideas has a book club, and I'm like, I want to do that. And like everything else that she has done, she's so generous, and she says, "Well, you should do one too." And I am not a reader like that. I'm a reader that goes deep into a few books instead mm -hmm. of wide into every book in the universe. Because I swear, I don't know how she, how she possibly <laughs> reads so many books. No. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I am going to be doing a book circle and I would love to talk to other women about it because it's called, it's called Creatrix, She Who Makes, ooh, ooh. which I love that word. I mean, after when I, it describes, you know, when you ask, who are you? And I think I'm a creatrix. I am, I am a person who makes things. Um, I'm, you know, a Renaissance woman, I guess, mm -hmm. but um but I, I want to talk to other women who might relate to that because, um, and I love this, I, this book, I was just underlining, you know, I was doing, it was like underline, underline circle, little notes in the margins. And so I want to see if, if other women feel that way. And then, um, yeah, different writing opportunities. I mean, like I said, um, if you go to Instagram, I will have a link to sign up so that you can be on my newsletter and find out I do. I have integrated the yoga and the music and the poetry area in the writing in something I'm calling sound sanctuary, sound sanctuaries, lullaby sound sanctuaries. Oh, yeah. 
That's right. So I'm, yeah, I'm doing sound healing, sound bowls, but I also sing a lot. And so I'm, I think that might have been the beginning. Yes. After the pandemic, I went, I just, I need to teach yoga in a different way. And I need to bring mm-hmm. the voice into it. And so singing to people, like singing them lullabies, like so they can sleep, so they can rest. So we do a little yoga. And then we settle in. I usually read a poem. I try to read one that I've written. And then we do a, another 45 minutes or so of of sound bowls and singing and just to let people relax and rest. I mean, I think we all need that right now during the pandemic uh, times or kind of coming out of it. There's just so much nervous system stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So I am looking into, I, I try to do them seasonally, but I, I might, you know, do them more often. Um, and that it is in person. Uh, I, I do those in person. It's like, that's too complicated to figure out miking sound bowls. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I'm looking at um, like a day long summer writing retreat with some yoga. Oh, I'm like, Oh, I want to go. All of the things that you do, like writing yoga, sound bowl. I'm just, yeah, that would be something I would want to make room in my calendar for. So I oh, will I look up for that. that. And your newsletter is just for people who are listening. I subscribe. I've subscribed to Holly's newsletter for a while since I, I think you made a call for it. Same thing on Instagram. It was so smart. A call for it on Instagram. And every time it's like a letter from a friend. Like mm. it just feels like there's you and a, a very small handful of other people um, that I really, I enjoy. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get a tea or like something, you know, and sit. Not that it takes forever, but it's just like, I feel like I'm sitting with a friend, which is pretty rare in the digital age to actually feel like that. I can tell a lot of thought and effort and, and genuineness goes into it. And so if that's the feeling we get from your digital newsletter, I can only imagine. And in, and I've been to some of your webinars, but um, in person would be even more uh, special, I think. That's that's so nice to know. I actually had another friend who told me the same thing. She goes, some, if I can't read it right away, I'll, I'll save it. And then I'll wait till I have time because I really want to read it. And I went, I, I mean, you know, you're a fellow creative person and, and sometimes you feel like you're kind of speaking into the void. Mm-hmm. Like nobody knows, nobody re- reads this, nobody, you know, and just to know that it is, that I am, because that's really where I come from is this is the real deal. This is like, I'm not going to try to, I can't be slick. I don't, I, I, I have, I don't know how. <laughs> I love that. and But that's what comes through. Like, I think we've all become so savvy now. Like, we know we buy anything online, you're going to get a newsletter for the rest of your life until you unsubscribe from that particular one. But there's there's you and, yeah, like I said, a small handful of other women that when I get those newsletters, I'm like, oh, this is time. Michelle Marlihan and yeah. Angie Franklin. And actually our friend, I don't know if you know Family. Oh, yeah. I took her future thought leader last year. Same thing. Her newsletter is like, pow, pow. There's always something new to learn. and But it's her, it's authentic voice. Like each person has their authentic voice. And I and I guess yeah. I know everybody in real life too, which yeah. <laughs> which also helps that it's not a, a stranger. So it just feels, um, yeah, really authentic and, and real. And like you're sharing, yours in particular, I feel like you're sharing 
life lessons too. Like it's not all about like, here's my perfect world and how you can make your world more perfect. You know, you're not saying that. It's just sort of like, here's something I noticed or I've experienced and maybe here's an offering that I've got, or maybe it's just something for you to chew on or or think about. And I like that it's not, um, it's a little different each time, depending on what's happening in, in your world. So, Mm. yeah. Yeah. And that's really, to me, I, I, it seems like it's the, the foundation of my writing work anyway, as a writer, but also as someone who supports other women. It's, oh my gosh, you know, because I've had women come to the group, especially if they're new, and they say, well, oh, my writing's not like everyone else's, or oh, it's not as good. You know, there's like all this internal chatter that comes out in their speech. And, and it's, but you are the one we want to hear. The more you you can be, the better, because that's who that's what that's what it is to be human is to to connect with other humans and realize how fascinating we are. Like each and every individual woman is so and or and men, but I work with women, so I mean, I'm not saying not men. I mean, I I have I have thought about working with men because I actually started my writing, and I know we're getting to time. I started my um, writing groups with 12 to 14 year olds because another part of my history is I was a school secretary for 10 years after I played music okay um I was a I helped start a school that is now a school (laughs) it was a charter school and I was one of the founding parents or almost almost founding and worked really hard and then I worked there and um so I started offering what I called expressive writing as an elective to sixth through eighth graders. And then I had three of the kids who came in that following fall and said, we want an after school club and they would not leave me alone. And so they finally got what they wanted and we did an after school club and they were great. They were just, I loved writing with them. And there are still um, a couple of them and they're young men now who keep in touch with me and who are also kind of sensitive, artistic young men. And so there's part of me that wants to to do something with that group, but we'll see, you know. You never know where that those next steps will take you. And it's how interesting how you said how we so often negate ourselves and what we think we have to say, what we're worthy of saying. I was listening to a different podcast last night and it was just a few lines of poetry um, from this man who lives in Ireland, mm. almost on my knees. It was so yeah. beautiful. It was like five lines. And I just thought, oh my God, I have to go like <laughs> look this up now because I know it doesn't have to be more in peace, right? Like not all of us are going to write, you know, the novel of the century, no matter how much we may um, think about that. And that's not the definition of, you know, having a successful writing career necessarily. So I love that you bring that out in people and just these small uh, ways, whatever way wants to come out. So on Instagram, people can find you at Holly Holt writes. Is that your website name too? Yeah, I'm at hollyholt.com. My website is kind of in, in construction, so it may or okay. may not be very beautiful when people visit <laughs> it, but they certainly can. Yeah. Um, and I try to update it with things that are happening. Um, I also do a seasonal uh, journaling workshop. Um, called intention so it's not just the first of the year I do it seasonally Mm. 
mm-hmm. like check in with yourself, um, which has been really good too. So kind of, you know, a little bit of everything. But the best place really is Holly Holt Writes or um, on Facebook also. So oh. um, Holly Holt Writes on Facebook, Holly Holt Writes on Instagram, um, holly at hollyholt.com. If they want to email me because I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> People want to email me and ask me questions and, and just talk to me directly. That's my favorite, really. Mm-hmm. Just straightforward. And then they yeah. can just write, write you and ask to be on the newsletter. If they want, yeah. Holly at Holly Holt, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. They can DM me or, or on the on the fancy social media or just do an old fashioned, e- old, what seems old fashioned email. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll put that, I'll put that in the show notes then too. We'll link to your Instagram, to your website and your email. I do that too with my yoga audio. I ask for people to write all the time. It's just my yoga audio at gmail.com. And occasionally yeah. I do, but not very, not very often. People usually go the, the dm route but right every once in a while so yeah. please reach out to us we are i like to think i'm i'm a temporary um honorary story tender with <laughs> holly during the time that she's here on the oh, show yes no you are a story tender you are already a story tender i love what you put out there and 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 you really inspired me with what you do oh thank you thank you thank you i can't wait to i want to attend one of your workshops just to to remind myself of of how much I love it and sometimes we need those prompts and those you know just that creative energy from other people to help us like latch on to what our next thing is or just reinstigate a project that you kind of put on the back burner sometimes you need that little push from being with a coach a guide a group of other people and it's just a really nice energy to be around um so for everybody listening make sure you don't press stop now that the conversation is winding down because we're going to play you one of Holly's songs. Um, unless there's anything else you that's on your heart, I want to ask you one more time before we wind things up. Um, I guess just for, for people to give themselves permission to tend to their own stories. Mm-hmm. It's, such important, it's such important work in whatever way that is. You know, it doesn't have to be writing, but really take the time to reflect and look inside and, and some healing can happen there. But um, yeah, and this, this song is kind of about that, about the bittersweet nature of, of life. What is the name? I know you said it to me earlier today, but in this moment, I'm not remembering the name of the song you're going to play. It's called Sweet Forbidden Wine. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Sweet Forbidden, that's a metaphor for, Yeah. So many things <laughs> that we can be going through. Seems to be fitting for our conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. It's a perfect fit. Holly, thank you so much. So connect with her, everybody online and have a look at your Spotify, your Apple podcasts. I think she has a deal going on right now, too, where she will mail you a CD if yeah. you do something. So get yeah, in touch. Go on with Instagram, her. you'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Give her a follow and look over there. Just in general, um, I find her content really refreshing and and worthy. You know, there's just there's so many videos and stuff on Instagram right now, but um, hers are really heartfelt and authentic, and it was such a a deep place in me, even amongst the busyness of the day. So I encourage you all to do that too. And Holly, thank you again for making this time to come on here. This has been amazing. I've been 
wanting to have you on for so long and I'm glad we were finally able to make it happen and help you celebrate this kind of revisit into um, your musical life and what that's going to look like, look like going forward now in your story circles and the other coaching and guidance work that you do. It's been an honor to have you here and um, for listeners stay tuned. There will be more episodes coming up on the join wisdom app i'll be adding additional meditation classes and you'll be able to listen to them with or without music your preference and we'll continue to find amazing full of grace authentic people like holly um, and other people in our community and beyond to come on and um, let you meet them and learn from the wisdom that they have to share with everyone because at maya it's always a great time for your mind to be on the mat and we'll look forward to seeing you soon stay tuned We've got Holly's song coming up next. Sweet for a moment. Sweet for time. Steve. Chop down the vine 